What's up, guys? It's Harrison Phillips here, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellows on the Circle of the Wagons podcast on Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills, baby. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey Bills fans, welcome to Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us on this first off-season episode. And what better way to start this off-season than to have on former Pro Bowl center of the Buffalo Bills, Eric Wood. Now, Eric still has close ties to the organization, uh, as he does the commentary for every game day on Buffalo Bills Radio and also fills in on One Bills Live. But he also hosts the podcast, What's Next with Eric Wood, that not only brings listeners closer to the game of football with interviews and players like Jordan Poyer, Harrison Phillips, Jordan Palmer he's had on, and much more, but it also motivates and inspires by letting you into their personal struggles and how they overcame them to continually grow and inspire others to do the same. Now we talk about that, we talk about the Bills' loss to the Chiefs in the divisional round of the playoffs, the missing pieces in the Bills' roster as it stands right now, the upcoming Super Bowl between the Bengals and the Rams, we talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick and what it was like seeing Fitzmagic shirtless at the Bills-Patriots blowout, and much more. So without further ado, Ewood. He is a former first-round pick of the Buffalo Bills from Louisville, a Pro Bowl center where he played nine seasons with the Bills, a two-time Walter Payton Man of the Year award nominee. He is a commentator for the Buffalo Bills radio network. You've heard him on One Bills Live, and he is the host of the very insightful and motivational podcast, What's Next with Eric Wood. I'd like to welcome Eric Wood to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Eric, it is so good to have you on. How are you? Good. It's a pleasure to be on. I appreciate that incredible intro as well, and I appreciate the podcast plug. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the only uh, longer intro I've ever done is uh, my interview with Bruce Smith. So uh, so you're in good company. You're in good company. Did you, did you name the like 100 quarterbacks that he sacked? <laughs> In his in his career, <laughs> yeah, we went through. Actually, that took up the entire interview. We just went through every single quarterback. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> um, so I I got to ask you about um, the Bills' loss to the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Um, you know, you watched the Bills almost win against the Chiefs um, just a couple of weeks ago in the divisional round of the playoffs. When you look back at it, why do you think the Bills lost? And is it something? that you think that they can fix in the off season? Man, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, I'm, I'm still not over that loss to be honest. I mean, with 13 seconds ago and with Cincinnati already have beating Tennessee that week, all I could think about was the bills are going to be hosting the AFC championship game. I'm originally from Cincinnati. They're going to face my hometown Bengals in Buffalo. So many friends and family will congregate in the city that I've grown to love in Buffalo. And it's going to be the most incredible weekend of my life. And the Bills are likely going to be a 
touchdown favorite to make it to the Super Bowl. So that all that being said, I'm still not over the loss. But, you know, ultimately, they could not get a stop when it mattered. And in the second half, when they were going back and forth, they just simply could not get a stop. And for me, a lot of those yards came through the air. Most of the yards came through the air. So you look at it two ways. One, is it the secondary? Or two, is it the pass rush? Because you can't blitz them. You can't blitz Patrick Mahomes. Since he entered the league, he's number one in the NFL against the blitz. So you have to beat him with a four-man rush. You have to get home, and your coverage has got to hold up on the back end. I would say it's probably a combination of the two, and you have your all-pro cornerback, Tredavious White. He's out of this matchup. In week five, you beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, and Tredavious White plays in that game. He played a big role. He is a bona fide lockdown cornerback in this league, top five cornerback in the entire NFL. So all that being said, you get Tredavious White back in 2022. That instantly helps the secondary if you can keep a lot of it intact. Whether you can keep Levi Wallace, I'm not sure. They did a great job of locking up Taron Johnson already during the season. So when you look at their pass rush, you either need more development from the young guys. And the young guys I'm referring to are A.J. Epinesa, top draft pick a couple years ago. Boogie Basham, Greg Rousseau, the top draft picks from this past year's draft. Can those guys develop um, an F.A. Obata who, although he's not a rookie or a second-year guy, has not played a ton of football, he still has some upside. But can you add a pass rusher that when it matters most, he can get home and affect Patrick Mahomes And that's got to be the case. And we can play back that final 13 seconds all we want. Ultimately, you have to get some stops in the second half. And we saw the Bengals be able to do that. Now, the Bengals secondary is not what the Bills is, but they were able to affect Patrick Mahomes with a four-man rush, and that led to some turnovers. So, I mean, going before, I would say, like week 10 or 12, I was thinking the biggest need on this roster is interior offensive lineman, um, either guard on on either side of of Mitch Morris. Now, you being a former interior offensive lineman, you played center with the Bills, you played guard with the Bills. Um, you know, wh- where would you see the Bills' biggest need, and, and is that even a need anymore now that Ryan Bates ha- was plugged into the offensive line? I don't see it as a pressing need, but you know, when you're managing a roster, you always have to be aware of where your big cap hits are. And 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 truly managing the entire roster because once you have Josh Allen this year the sa- the salary cap hit is an extremely high you may know better than me I believe it's in the twenty two range this year mm-hmm. but then it jumps it gets right around forty for the remainder of it so this year you have a little bit more cap flexibility and then moving forward you got to be cognizant of all your salary so when you look at a roster like the Bills have now you can look at immediate needs or you can look at how they can build the roster and. I think Ryan Bates solidified himself, and he earned himself a starting spot for next year. And when you look at Darrell Williams, he's gotten a little bit older. Is he the answer at right guard? Well, that Bills offensive line played really well down the final stretch. I I don't know that that's a pressing need. For me, I don't know if it's a draft need, but a pass rusher to me seems to be something that, that you could add with the Bills to really take them over the top. Just a bona fide number one edge rusher that they could that they could rely on on a down to down basis, and then um, at cornerback, potentially adding a corner in the draft, someone that could come in and immediately make an impact. 
Yeah, I like I like all those needs as well. Um, I have to ask you about the hires, uh, promotions and hires, I should say. Um, as the Bills lost Brian Dable to a head coaching position with the Giants, they then promoted uh, quarterback coach Ken Dorsey to the offensive coordinator position and made former Panthers OC Joe Brady the new quarterback's coach for the Bills. What are your thoughts on the promotion of Ken Dorsey and the hire of Joe Brady? I love the promotion of Ken Dorsey. He gets a ringing endorsement from Josh Allen. We all heard that in the post uh, postseason press conference. So he gets a ringing endorsement. Those guys have been around him. Sean McDermott has a, a ton of familiarity with him. The fact that he was comfortable to promote him to the offensive coordinator position, and it seemed like there was a lot of interest for Brian Dayball to bring him as the offensive coordinator of the Giants, that says a lot about Ken Dorsey. When you promote from within – you can assume that the Bills can kind of continue as they've been doing. Yes, Ken Dorsey's going to have his own wrinkles, but the Bills' offense will likely look similar than it has these last few years, and that's perfect. The Bills' offense has been a top-five offense these last two years, and there's no reason to reinvent it. What they're doing is they're playing current football. It's a lot of uh, passing-based offense, but the running game in the second half of the season, especially the last six weeks of the season, was excellent. And you could kind of build around Devin Singletary moving into this offseason, realizing that you have an effective running back there. And you saw what he can basically do most effective in that Bills offense. Joe Brady comes in, and while the Panthers' offense wasn't a top-tier offense, he is regarded in many circles as a great quarterback's coach. He was with Joe Burrow at LSU and I'm excited about it. You know, he's he's a guy that can come in. I don't think he's going to hurt the progress of Josh Allen. And with Josh Allen, he's so motivated. And, and the way that he's addressed any of his weaknesses throughout his career has just been tremendous. So, obviously, the past season uh, clearly didn't go how you or Bills fans wanted. A lot of people see this team as having a short Super Bowl window because of Allen's big contract kicking in the 2022 season. Uh, you know, we mentioned salary cap, uh, you know, a little bit earlier. I mean, when you look at that, like, do you see it the same way as, you know, he makes 16 to 22 million or whatever it is next season? Or is every year a potential Super Bowl window with Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, and Brandon Bean and everyone else uh, that's in place at one Bills drive? Yeah, whenever you pay the quarterback, you have to draft well. Well, Brandon Bean has proven that he has he can draft well. And then you have to be prudent in free agency. You've got to make the right decisions on who you pay. But, you know, nowadays it seems like these quarterbacks can make a long run. And I, I think when you look at what the Bills have moving forward, you know, I, I don't I don't I don't think this is a short term window. I think Josh Allen is the type of guy that can elevate those around him. And you've seen that. You've seen a third rounder and Gabriel Davis go off for four touchdowns in the divisional round of the playoffs. And, you know, I I know it's a different time. It's pre-free agency, but you look at that late eighties, early nineties run for the Buffalo bills. It went AFC championship game, divisional round, four straight Super Bowl appearances. And I'm hoping we get a similar trajectory. Now we just get over the top in one or a few of those Super Bowls. Yeah. Obviously would love to see, uh, see you and, and Murph up in the booth uh, for broadcasting Bill's Super Bowls. Um, I have to ask you about Fitzy, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, he played behind you when he was here in Buffalo. You've gotten to know him on and off the field and become friends. Uh, did it surprise you to see him at the Bills Patriots playoff game with his shirt off and celebrating the Bills victory like he was uh, like he was a president of Bills Mafia? 
Well, I'll say no, it didn't surprise me to see him at the game because he let me know during the week that he was going to attend. Now, I was trying to offer him to get in a suite somewhere. I told him, heck, you can sit in the back of the broadcast booth with your son. We'll give you a couple headsets and you can watch from the back of the booth and no one will ever bug you. But in Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick fashion, he's always got to go over and above. And so he gets out in the mix. He's sitting in the club area with the rest of the Bills Mafia and then even takes his shirt off. And the best thing about Fitz is, I don't even know if he had a beer while doing it. He does, you know, he's not the type of guy that even needs alcohol to act like a fool. He's one of the most fun people to be around. And just his affinity for this Bills fan base, the city of Buffalo and the organization has always been on display. He was rewarded with a big contract in Buffalo. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him to stick around the organization, but he's been interviewed multiple times while he was a, while he was the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. They asked him who was the best fan base in the NFL. And he said, Bill's mafia. He gave credit to the Bill's fan base. And then while under contract with the Washington football team, I guess we can call them the commanders now, but while under contract, he comes to the playoff game and brings his son to the game. Just truly special, a great person. And for a guy that, how, I don't know how many years he has left in the league. That's a guy that will always be welcomed back in Buffalo. I, I think that, you know, it's good to hear that, Eric, as someone that knows him personally, because I feel like all of Bill's Mafia feels that way about Ryan Fitzpatrick um, and his ties to the organization. Now, like, I think I see a little bit of a similarity between his goofiness and his uh, fun-loving, just his antics, like, He's kind of he's kind of has that like a little bit of Brett Favre like that that uh, boyish charm to like loving the game of football and being a goof a goofball. Do you see any similarities between like that sort of playfulness and what Josh Allen does with the guys around him? And like how how far does that really go as far as in the locker room with like you truly developing chemistry with your quarterback? Yeah, that's an excellent question, and, and I think there are similarities there, and I think some of the biggest similarities are they both act with no ego, and you could tell that with the way they interact with their teammates. Now, Josh is younger. Josh is probably a little bit more hip, um, but, but you know, they play with no ego. They throw their body on the line out there. They gain respect from their teammates, but the way they play, the way they prepare, and they're very likable guys, and in a locker room, when you have a long season and you got to get along with 52 other personalities with 53 guys on a roster. And as the quarterback of the organization, you are the leader amongst the players. You should be the leader amongst the players. And so there is a lot of similarities. Those guys get along. They have the same age. And when I first met Josh Allen, it was the, at the Masters prior to the 2018 draft when the Bills selected him. And I met him while hanging out with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so those guys have known each other for a long time. There's a lot of mutual respect there. And, and yes, I, I see a lot of similarities in their personalities, their leadership styles. Josh obviously is 6'5", 245 pounds with an absolute cannon of an arm. Fitz doesn't have those tangible qualities, but a lot of the intangibles, I definitely can see the comparison. So you mentioned earlier how you grew up in Cincinnati, uh, you know, as a, as a Bengals fan. And so it's it's obviously interesting there in the Super Bowl. How excited and surprised, maybe even, are you to see Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the fellas face off against Matthew Stafford and the Rams in a week? Well, it's interesting because you go to the NFL. When I made it to the NFL, the Bengals are in the AFC. So a lot of times we were both kind of in the hunt towards the end of the season competing against each other. So you get used to rooting against the Bengals. And I wish I didn't feel this way, but there's some pettiness about me that 
almost wanted no one to make it to the Super Bowl. And do we want another AFC team to emerge as a, as a threat to make it to the Super Bowl in, in the Bengals? And, and they got over the hump. Over the summer, I had uh, Jordan Palmer, who works with Josh Allen in the offseason, also worked with Joe Burrow this past offseason. And I asked him about Joe Burrow, and he said on my podcast, he said it would not surprise me. Or actually, he said, I expect to see Joe Burrow win a Super Bowl in Cincinnati. He didn't say he expected it to be this year. He didn't say he expected him to be in the Super Bowl this year, but he knew that was going to be the case with Joe. He's that type of quarterback. And so, no, it doesn't surprise me that that guy made it to the Super Bowl because that guy has won at, at the college level, He and he and he's doing it again. And it's funny because a lot of the things he did in college was just attacking matchups. You know, he had great receivers at LSU. He was attack, attacking one-on-one matchups, and he's doing a lot of the same things in Cincinnati. So I, I don't want to open an, an old wound again. I mean, but you obviously watched the Bengals beat the Chiefs, which we didn't expect uh, happening. I mean, you mentioned on your podcast you kind of thought that the Chiefs were going to win that one um, against the Bengals, and sure enough, you know they they pull out an overtime win that I think surprised almost everyone. Um, I know it's all hypothetical. Do you think the Bills have a chance? If the Bills are playing the Bengals, does that go the same way? Do you think they pull out a late winner? I mean. Do the Bills have a pretty good chance of, of, of I guess, competing against that Bengals team and maybe making it to the Super Bowl? I mean, I think they would have made it to the Super Bowl. I think they would have matched up well against the Bengals. Um, you know, I mentioned this, the, the strength of this Bills defense was their secondary, was their defense. They did not show up in Kansas City the way that they had played the rest of the season. But, yeah, I would have liked the Bills against the Bengals. And it's amazing how that Kansas City-Bengals game ended up playing out too because it was the exact same thing as week 17 in Cincinnati Chiefs build a big lead and then the second half they can't score they scored three points in the second half of the week 17 game they scored three points in the second half of the AFC championship game and the Bengals end up getting the victory and it's just amazing that history repeated itself only three or four weeks away yeah yeah that's crazy it's going to be an exciting Super Bowl um, I have to ask you about you know your podcast and your post uh, professional NFL career because you went from having a very successful career in the NFL to having your journey ended abruptly with an injury that you didn't even know about. Um, you've excelled in like so many other parts um, of your career since then, uh, broadcasting, uh, keynote speaking, podcasting, just to name a few. I mean, what do you tr- attribute your success to after your NFL career when a lot of other former players have really just kind of struggled to find any sort of niche? Well, I appreciate those compliments, and it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It takes some uh, time to figure out what's next for you, for all of us, and that was kind of the theme of me starting this podcast, and luckily for me, I had a foundation outside of football with family and friends and somebody in my faith and so many people that poured into me and helped me get along um, this journey of kind of hopping into the media world, and for me, it's just been fun, and for me, I just feel like I've been given this platform to be able to do something good with it. So when I call the Bills broadcast, I, I want it to be fun for the listeners. When I worked with ESPN the last couple of years, I wanted to bring um, uh, the listeners some knowledge about the game. I want you to be able to sit with your buddies. The next, If you listen to me call a broadcast, my goal is the next time you're sitting around having a beer watching the game with your buddies, to be able to use something that you heard from me to, to make yourself sound smarter with your buddies and kind of pull back the curtain on football. I always say, I'm trying to take football 401 knowledge, which wouldn't be relatable to everybody, but put it in a football 401 sense uh, so that everybody could understand it. So that's kind of on the broadcast side. And then 
with my podcast, it's fun to get, you know, people from all walks of life. And I, I just feel like in life, I'm trying to be a constant learner. I'm always trying to grow no matter what I'm doing and, and attack this second phase of my career like I did my football career and go all in on it. So it's been amazing all that I've learned through this, mainly the journey on the podcast of all the guests that I've had on and kind of learn from all of their experiences and use that to propel me in this next chapter of life. Now, it's funny, I won't give it away, but in your Playoff Push Part 3 podcast, you break down uh, what happens at halftime in every NFL game, at least at, you know throughout your entire career, and it was very eye-opening. People always think that, oh, halftime adjustments, you know, this and that, everything's all figured out. It is, it is very interesting to see what it's really like from a player uh, from that standpoint, so I absolutely recommend people hearing that, I mean, along with the other things. Uh, you know, you've had you. You just talked about having a growth mindset and and always trying to grow and learn. You know, you've been very growth oriented since retiring. I mean, it reminds me a lot of Sean McDermott's growth mindset that he always preaches. Um, is that one of the reasons why you connected so well with Sean McDermott and why you wanted to continue to play with the Bills um, after your other contract was up? It definitely is. I remember the first time I walked into Sean McDermott's office, I looked at the bookcase that was sitting behind him. And I noticed a John Gordon book and a few other books, and they were all books that I had read myself. So I knew that we were wired similarly. And then when I got to see the vision of him and Brandon Bean, and everybody thought we were tanking heading into that 2017 year, and no veteran wants to play during a tank because you don't know how many years you have left. You don't want to be on that team that is losing so that you can go find that franchise quarterback because you might not even have the opportunity to play with him or the the draft picks that you could accumulate to get on a run eventually. Now, we, we broke the playoff drought that year, and a lot of it was the vision of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and getting a culture established in Buffalo that you still see to this day and bringing in guys that play in a certain type of manner, the Jordan Porters, the Micah Hydes, those types of guys that they added during that 2017 offseason that have set up this run. So, yes, a big reason that I was willing to resign and not hit free agency after my ninth season was because of Sean McDermott especially, and he remains a friend and a, a mentor to this day. So, I mean, the growth mindset is, is obviously important. You just you just mentioned along with Sean McDermott. If you're talking to the folks listening and they may not have the, that idea or that thought process, I mean, how do you get into it and what would be your advice? Wow, that's a, that's a great question. And, and you know what? I just feel like in life we should be constantly learning, constantly growing. And, and what I always tell people is just shoot for those 1% daily improvements, whether that's in your relationships, whether that's in your health, whether that's in your spiritual life, your emotional life, whatever it is, shoot for those 1% daily improvements. And at the end of the year, I'm no mathematician, but in my mind originally, I'm thinking, well, if you get 1% better every day, that's 365% better at the end of the year. That's 3.65 times better. Well, that's not that impressive, but based upon getting 1% better than you were the day before and the day before that and letting that compound, it actually becomes 37 times better. So just find those areas in your life that you want to improve on, find a book on it, find a podcast, catch a workout, change your state of mind. And it's amazing the growth that you can find in your life and the fulfillment that you'll start to find. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely a hundred percent see that um, in your podcast and feel that. 
um, that message. So, um, Eric, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. We've always respected your career and so happy that, you know, you're still part of our daily and weekly bills experience. Uh, Where can listeners find you on social media and where can they find the What's Next with Eric Wood podcast? Yeah, so What's Next with Eric Woods on all your major podcast platforms. I post them all through social media each week, and that's at ewood70 on Twitter and Instagram. You can find that at at ericwoodmedia.com. They're posted on there, so you can find them anywhere. I'm most active responding to people on Instagram because that's the easiest platform. Anybody can message you on there. And so for anybody out there that enjoys the podcast, has specific questions, hit me up on there. I try and get back to everybody that uh, messages me on there. And I've had so much fun interacting with people. And, you know, I, I love the combination of sports and personal development. There's just so many correlations there. And it's been fun to get into the corporate spaces and speak or speak to men's group or teams or whatever it may be and kind of pull back the curtain on sports because there's so many lessons that we were given through sports and professional sports that I was given these lessons that I just love to pass along at this point. You know, I really enjoyed your uh, latest episode with uh, former Bills tight end Lee Smith. Um, And I think that, you know, the ability that that you and and he had not only to talk about your growth, um, but to talk about your past and the struggles that you've had either in your family or in your personal life um, is very refreshing because, I don't know, as guys or as men, um, sometimes that's kind of like, I don't know, it's it's something that's not discussed enough, especially in the age where we're talking a lot about mental health and, and growth. So um, to hear you guys talk about that, maybe I don't have the same exact example um, that you or Lee or, or anyone else does, but to hear you guys talk about it in such an open way, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I appreciate that. I think as a listener, I think a lot of other guys do too. I appreciate that. And I always feel like the more vulnerable, vulnerable you could be and the more, I don't want to say self-deprecating, but the more relatable you can be to others, that's the big, that's the most impact you can have. And, and as a leader, um, the more that you can bring yourself to everybody else's level because people put you on a platform naturally because you play pro sports, but they don't understand the struggles that we went through. And, you know, we, we got to play a game with a ball for a living. And, and so many people will look up to you and you just can't take yourself that serious just because you played a game. We're not out defending the country. We're not out saving lives on a daily basis, but we have been given lessons and, and we do have a platform to speak. And I, I appreciate what you said about the podcast with Lee, because I've been so impressed with his growth as a man. He's a father of four. He's married. And look, we've had, we had some wild times at Buffalo earlier in our career. And, and you know what, we still have, plenty of demons and skeletons in our closet but you know what we're out there trying to make a difference lee's opening a gym uh triple f faith family and football and out there trying to make a difference i'm trying to make a difference in my two young kids lives and anybody that i can come across so um i I truly appreciate that and and for all those leaders out there you know when you try and make yourself the hero then then you're really missing the point uh in, in all of this you know i'm a man of faith and i point everyone to the man upstairs. I point everyone to God. You know, if you're, if you're looking for someone perfect, don't follow me. If you want someone that you can relate to and that you can grow with, come follow me and and, and we can figure this thing out together. I love it. I love it. Thank you again for taking the time to come on the circling the wagons podcast, Eric, and uh, best of luck in your podcast, your broadcasting career, and in general, your continued growth. And uh, we really can't wait to see what the future has in store for you. Well, I truly appreciate that. You're a heck of an interview and I appreciate the opportunity to come on and Um, We'll have to do this again, and 
hopefully uh, hopefully we're talking about a bunch of Bills wins and, and success in 2022. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>